Did you ever consider that thriving as a founder is as much about the things you don't do as the things you do? That your happiness and success are less impacted by how well you play the game than simply not playing it at all? Today on the Startup Therapy Podcast, we'll examine a list of things you can intentionally ignore as you strive towards startup success, removing mental and emotional barriers that would otherwise impede your progress. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com. As is customary, I'm here with my partner, Will Schroeder. Today, we're going to talk about an article that you wrote examining how getting distracted by what others were doing was slowing you down. How did you get there and how did you realize that in looking for external validation, you were leading yourself astray? It's this common problem that I see among entrepreneurs, right? And if you can picture it, I was just talking to another, another founder about this a moment ago during lunch. We always run into this situation where it's like a founder dinner. And in almost no time at all, the conversation starts going around the table about how everybody's doing with their startup. And it, it starts innocently enough, but it devolves into something that looks like, have I heard of your company? How much money have you raised? Who have you raised it from? What's headcount? And why are you killing it? And people don't interrogate each other quite that deliberately, but it's not that far off. Nah, and the so, undertone is there. It is. It, it, and what they're saying is, how important is your startup compared to my startup? And, and it's it's all a bigger part of this startup game that, that, that I would call it, which is every founder trying to kind of find their own way and find their own validation by comparing themselves to other founders. And it's it's a game where literally everyone loses. It, it's It's awful. And personally, I found myself over the years playing it in different capacities. And at some point, I realized how miserable it was making me and how miserable it was making my friends and just decided, fuck this. I'm getting out of this whole thing wholesale. Like, this is insane. And once I did, my focus got better, my happiness got better, and my relationships got better, right? And so a lot of this was that entire process. It's a really interesting phenomenon that this does occur when when founders get together and that everybody starts to to kind of measure up and and you know they they puff the chests out and, and talk about metrics. What's interesting is that it seems to be driven as much by insecurity and and really wanting to validate your own efforts as it does about tearing anybody else's down or really, you know, exploring what they're doing. It's really more about saying like, "Hey, I want to be valid in this whole conversation as well, right? Right. And everybody's sitting there going, I have no good way to know whether what I'm doing is working. Because typically for the first three to five years, we're just running around in an abyss. You know, we're hoping the things we're doing uh, are helpful. We're, we're, we're hoping that we're making progress, but it's not terribly measurable. What is measurable is, is when you read about someone else that just sold for a billion dollars or some crazy figure, right? That you can say, oh, I guess things worked out well. Right. What you don't <laughs> Talk hear about, about choosing the wrong yardstick in terms uh, totally, of how you totally, can measure right? yourself, right? And, and w- what you don't read about is how their entire journey was nothing but self-doubt and insecurity, right? There's this concept that everyone else is doing really well and they've got their shit together but me. Right. And Day one, kill it. Day yeah, exactly. Right. Kill it. Day seven twenty. So kill it and sell it. Right. That's, <laughs> like, that's it's so tough, right? And so what happens is everybody gets to this point where they're like, "Well, let me see what other people are doing." So maybe they're they're reading TechCrunch, for example, in the, in the tech side of things, um, or maybe they're going through their social media, 
And all you're going to see when you try to research how other people are doing is the greatest hits highlight reel, right? It's their best photo. It's their best announcement. It's their best of everything, usually of which is fairly fake to begin with, right? It's a great point, too, because in terms of, you know, both you and I are fairly long in this game at this point. And in terms of your ability, even if people aren't coming and telling you what they're doing, which which used to be sort of how it worked, right? Like you said, the founder dinners, you'd get together and people would start to share their vanity metrics. You don't even have to get together anymore. And that's even more dangerous because now you may miss out on some of the context, at least at the dinners at some point, like there's some honesty comes out. We start to say like, right. you know, well, yeah, here's what we're at now. But man, the last three months have been just pure hell. But to your point on Facebook, Instagram, wherever else on social media, these places that are easy to share the wins, all that gets lost, right? All that is whitewashed out of existence. Yeah. And if somebody gave that the actual context, if they say, here's a feed of everyone's biggest bullshit, right? <laughs> you would take that big, okay, that's it's actually kind of entertaining, right? Yeah. But it's not, it's not considered that way. Your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed or anything else that you're taking social cues from is considered reality. And it's sure. not. And for a startup where the stakes are so high, the emotion is so high, and everything that you would normally use to emotionally balance and ground yourself is totally not there yeah it's a tough game to play right and so for for the the startup part of the problem and the founder the part of the problem is that they have to be able to maintain focus not worry about what other people are doing and still believe that they're making forward progress but still not comparing themselves to anyone else that's hard it is it's really, really difficult, right? Because you you want something to measure against. You need something to measure against. The, the problem is in, in, in so many ways, the way it's happening now in particular because of social media, not only are you only measuring against other people's best results, you're measuring against other people's results. It's never going to be a great measuring stick for you. And now you're only using part of it. So it's just, it's a, it's a horribly compounded problem. And so where it starts to, to where it threw me off, you know, I'll use myself. I won't even uh, project onto anyone else. Where it threw me off is I found myself spending an inordinate amount of time at startup events, at startup dinners, at startup, uh, you know, all kinds of cocktail parties and you name it, right? Talking to lots of founders. And in all fairness, I love talking to founders. So this wasn't exactly a hard thing for me to do. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure I did it implicitly to others. So if you're listening, I apologize. And, and I'm sure it was done to me. When you talk to another peop- enough people in this space, we somehow just inherently make each other miserable and draw at our insecurities, right? I can't tell you about how great things are going with me, even if they are, without making you feel shitty about the fact that you know you guys have run out of funding, right? Yeah. Or you running out of funding or selling, you can't share that with me without reminding me that I've been at this for 10 years and I haven't moved the business uh, whatsoever, right? Like, sure. it's, it, it's a, so, it's gnarly. Yeah, it's a byproduct of the fact that a lot of startup work is just a slog, right? So at any given time, if you're together with 10 people, maybe one of those folks is at a point where they've got a really nice story to tell. Everybody else is just like, we're just slogging through the shit trying to be okay, right? So yeah. it's, sort of a, it's sort of a natural byproduct of our environment. Yeah, and, and I think the cost of all of this, aside from our emotions, which is brutal, is our focus, right? I mean, it's so easy to get so incredibly distracted with what other people are doing. You know, you got to have a little bit of an eye on your competition. But like we've always said, your customer doesn't buy based on what your competition does. Your customer buys based on what you do, 
right? So me worrying about what my competition does doesn't make my product better, right? All I can yeah. do is focus on making my product better. But the cost of this, the, the, the one form of capital is my focus, right? The, the moment I click on the Facebook, the moment I start reading about articles about whatever, some startup success, what have you, I'm not focusing on my own business. Like that's directly taking right. away at a binary level from where I'm supposed to be investing my time. Yeah, exactly. In the article that you wrote, you you ran through this this list of of things that and you, you said I grew up when I shut down, and then you ran through this this list of of things, and you've you've touched on a couple of them now. But do you feel like that's an exhaustive list, or were just those the top things that for you were getting in the way? Well, yeah, and and, and so like we're talking, you know, I said that hey, I stopped paying attention to social media. I didn't really grow up with social media, right? I'm old fart, right? And so like yeah. for me, social media hasn't been a big part of my identity. You know, I just came into it later on in life like most people. But when I check social media, which I don't do that much and I don't miss it, to be honest, when I check social media, it, it's so fucking distracting, right? Because everything on there is somebody else's story, somebody else's direction, somebody else's like shift of my focus. And after a while, I just zoom out and I'm like, what is this buying me? And the right. answer is nothing. Right. And we'll imagine how much worse that problem is for somebody who did come up in the social media age. So think about, you know, founders who are five, 10 years younger than we are, who are using this more as a North Star, where they're literally putting value in the feedback loops that they developed. And, and to their to their credit or in their defense, they have a different relationship with it than we do. And they probably get more from it. They certainly give more to it than, than probably you or I do. But imagine how much worse that is for them because they actually put weight behind what they're seeing and hearing in these. They've grown up with the validation loop. It's incredibly powerful in terms of, of, of changing their direction, changing their thoughts, how they feel about themselves, their businesses. And so I, I can only imagine how much worse this problem is for people who are of that age or of that mindset. I'll put it this way. I mean, as it relates to social media, my business has never been improved based on how many likes I got in one of my posts, right? I mean, there's there's no version where we're I need to dig social. into analytics to make sure that's not true, <laughs> but I, I can do that and we'll, we'll but, provide an update later. But but if I were to compare the amount of distraction it's cost me versus the amount of benefit, it's you know it's not even remotely close. And, and I don't want to pick too much on social because I don't have a, a beef with social. I just as it would relate to my business, it's incredibly distracting. Yeah, um, we have a on, beef with distractions, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. And that just happens to be a pretty common one. Startup news was my other. I, I used to be a startup news junkie. Like even back in the day, you know, I'd write for TechCrunch and, and the various blogs back in when their inception. And I was so geeked out about what was happening among other tech companies and who was raising and what people were doing. And after a while, I, I thought, you know, man, if I had spent all of this time that I'm reading other people's articles or, or, or you know, yeah. following other people on my own damn business, the article would be about me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's something that's interesting. I don't want to spend a lot of time going back into history, but I think that there was a difference at the, the time, the period of time you're talking about there also wasn't as much of this. And so a lot of the stories that we're reading, which are now very commonplace, and they repeat startup after startup after startup, it was the first time we were seeing these, at least in media outlets. These might have been conversations that we'd had before, but it was the first time that we were seeing them portrayed in the media, that they were coming to life in social media. And so I think that they they did have a different level of credence at that time because it might have been the first time you'd ever gotten to see behind the veil of another founder or another another company. Right, right. 
And, and I also think that in this day and age, like, you know, more and more founders are actually coming forward and being more honest about what's actually happening. And, and so I think there's a lot of value there. And I think the authenticity really goes for miles. But at so many levels, the founder, us, uh, are competing with all of these other narratives. You know, one of those narratives would be what your friends are saying, right? And, yeah. and that's a tricky one because, again, you have some group of friends and they're all kind of growing or, or in some cases uh, dying, if you will, at different rates right? In all their yes. businesses. Yep. And you're catching up with them. And I see this like when we do the founder dinners, which are generally very positive, right? We don't, we try to make sure we don't get into a lot of the, the sizing up of, uh, of each other. Like you get into kind of a random cocktail party and it could go the other way where, where all these, these friends get together and they're just super honest. Like no matter how good the business is going, I find that if the founder is super honest about what's in their mind, it changes the narrative completely. This is shit you can't say publicly. Right. You know, there's a lot you can't you can't Elon Musk and just say whatever's on your mind and put it on Twitter. Right. (laughs) A lot of these things were, you know, hey, we raised a huge round of money. But by the way, like our our metrics don't hold up. Like if we don't figure this out with this round of money, we're out of business. Right. Yeah. You never hear that part of the narrative. And so what I found with 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 my friends, and I think this has gone pretty well, is we try to set a tone for not downplaying like our success, so to speak, but trying to analyze what's not working, or if things are going well, how the hell did that even happen? Sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a level of honesty that comes out there that says, you know, yes, we're doing great now at this cost, right? Here's what it costs us to get where we are, right? And it's it's not insignificant. Uh, And there's, there's some entrepreneurs that I've met that are so brutally honest about it that it's just this this wave of like of, of a wonderful feeling that comes over you when you talk to them. One in particular that, that I'd, I'd have to mention and call out is a guy named Jason Nazar. Jason's a LA-based entrepreneur, one of my favorite entrepreneurs and a great friend. And Jason's run a series uh, for, God, it's got to be a decade now, in Southern California called Startups, Startups Uncensored. And Jason will sit across from an entrepreneur in a venue that, you know, anywhere between 100 to a few hundred people. And just do a very honest interview. And what's great about Jason is if you meet him personally and ask him about his own business, he'll be just as honest. You know, even if the business, you know, if he's in TechCrunch or something, the business is is getting written up. The first things out of Jason's mouth will be, "Dude, I haven't slept in a month." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm so stressed out. It's not even funny. I mean, he's just he's such an honest, authentic entrepreneur. And what I love about that is I think he sets the tone for everybody that talks to him. Right, it's hard when Jason says he hasn't slept in a month, and not in a cool chest pounding way. Like, dude, I just want to sleep. That's all I care about right now. Right. To then turn around and go, well, dude, I've been sleeping great. You know, I'm killing it right now. It just, I think there's a way to set the tone of the conversation to say, kind of, let's go open kimono. Like, let's not lie. Let's let's talk about where things are really going. And God, those are good conversations. Well, I think by by being open and honest about you know his own situation, he's he's and I this is a, becoming a refrain for me. But he's giving them permission to do the same thing, right? By leading by example, he's saying like, look, it's okay to do this, right? It's okay right. to be honest about this. And you know, honestly, amongst founders, this is where the respect comes from, right? We all know what it actually looks like. So if you want to come in and pretend. That this is just a walk in the park where you accidentally happen to pick a great valuation and then you plucked, uh, you know, great customer acquisition and then a beautiful exit on this little stroll through the park. We know that you're lying, right? We know that's not how it went. And so I think that the respect and props don't come from the vanity metrics. 
they come from what you went through to earn them. So it's pretty funny that in a lot of cases, this is probably more geared towards the younger founder set or the first time founders that they end up putting on this facade because it actually covers up a lot of where the true respect will come from. Absolutely. And, and, and along those lines, let me build on that part a little bit. What happens, and, and I've fallen victim to this as well, is you're in this cocktail party and you get introduced to other founders and you immediately go into your pitch, right? You say, you know, uh, you know I work at this company called startups.com. We help entrepreneurs build businesses, so on and so forth. And you, you're pitching your growth, you're pitching your vanity metrics, you're pitching all of these things, right? And, and it feels like it's the right thing to do. It's the modern day equivalent of handing over your business card. However, what if you just didn't have that conversation? Right. And that's what I started doing. I'm such a startup guy that like it was so inherent. Like this is my ESPN. I get to talk about sports all day. In my case, startups, I'm a nerd. But instead of talking about startups or business, if you will, in my conversations with other founders, I asked them how they were doing. And immediately they typically go into how their business is doing. No, I don't really care about the business. <laughs> right. How are you doing? <laughs> like, like, how, how do you feel? Like, you know, what's your stress level one to 10 right now? And the moment we changed the conversation together, it became a very different conversation, frankly, a better conversation. Sure. Well, look, at the at the risk of, of uh, losing focus, which is part of what we're really trying to talk about here, let's uh, let's let's regroup and, and, and kind of get back on track here. We talked about how there were all these different things that were kind of dragging us off off path, right? These all these different distractions. Where did you find it most important? So if you were to gain back some of this time that you were previously losing, doing things like paying attention to social media or uh, getting caught up in what your competition was doing, where did you reallocate that focus? Where did that energy go instead of to these things that, that just weren't producing any kind of results? You know, it's funny. It didn't go toward work. Like, like I, I, I'm sure some of it did, right? But what I found was there was a certain amount of energy that I could put into work, right? I mean, just sure. uh, sheer output hours. But where I think a lot of that energy was going was toward health and happiness. For example, if I had taken the hour of the day that I had burned in going through social media, self-validating through through startup news, et cetera, <laughs> and done literally anything else, but let's you know, let's, let's use something like a like fairly useful like workout maybe, <laughs> like take a walk. There you go. Yeah. You know, nowadays spend, spend time with my kids. I would have been orders of magnitude happier. Like for for as much as the activity I was going into was making me more unhappy, literally anything I could have done would have made me far more happy. Right? Totally makes sense. And it maps exactly to sort of my my own I'm just going to put it like general media consumption both, you know, the mass media, social media, just kind of listening to other stories and so forth. It never happens when I'm super motivated, pumped up, full of energy, ready to take on the world. It happens when I'm in the opposite state of mind, right? It happens when I'm kind of worn out. I'm, I'm tired. I know that I don't have the mental cycles to put into something really important on the work front. So I'm like, let me go wipe my brain clean with Facebook. Unfortunately, that's not how it works, right? But that's, I think that's the intention. It's sort of like, right. I'm not going to think. So let me just go stare at this dribble <laughs> and, and see what happens. So that, yeah, that totally makes sense, though. Well, there's this concept that instead of me spending more time on my business, I can spend more time making myself happy. And I, I just don't see entrepreneurs giving themselves permission to do that. And so when I have a conversation with my friends that, again, are typically founders, and we start talking about how they're feeling versus how they're doing, right? You know, like, how are you feeling about yes. the business? And number yep. one, nobody ever asks them that, 
right? And so it's kind of this permission to speak freely. And they start saying, well, dude, I'm I'm so stressed right now. I mean, it's always I'm so stressed. I, I never talk yeah. to anybody that's yeah, yeah. like, oh, to be honest, you know, things are going so great. I've, you know, I've never spent so much time with my kids. I can't believe how much money I'm making. And, you know, <laughs> right. I, my gray hair is disappearing. I'm yeah, kidding. yeah. And my, my marriage is getting so much better, right? I mean, like literally none of that, right? It's polar opposite of everything. But essentially, in talking to in folks, in, in, in communicating with folks, it's given them permission to say, man, like, I'm actually not doing that well, right? And start that conversation. And you start to have enough of those conversations, and you're scratching your head going, man, like, I'm not doing that well either. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, maybe we should all be fixing some things. And, and, and I think bringing everybody into that same conversation around, dude, let's not run ourselves into the ground anymore. Let's not, like, you know, size each other up all the time. Let's talk a little bit more about how to, like, maybe who would have guessed make each other happier right i mean it's yeah it sounds insane right yeah but that that has a it's a huge huge impact once you do that right because then you know instead of spending your time wearing yourself out instead of comparing yourself to the very best one percent of things that are happening in other people's lives you can just be realistic about it you can start to feel better about what's going on in your own situation and i would have to assume that that alone has a huge impact on your ability to kind of maintain your focus and feel good about what you're doing, right? Even if it's not that like, oh, I'm not doing as bad as I thought, or this isn't as difficult as I thought. It might just be, this is as difficult as I thought, but it's not because of anything that I'm doing. It's this just by nature is a difficult thing. And everybody else that's going through it is going through the same difficult thing. So that can let me get focused back on it. It's not some character flaw or inherent thing I'm doing wrong. It just is what it is. I agree. And and I think that at which point we're all waiting for this big magical thing to happen, which is always kind of the, the undertone of this. I'm building this startup so that I will succeed with it and then great things will happen. One of the things that I thought was really fascinating, having been through this process a number of times and sold some businesses, but more importantly, having had the relationships with folks who have done exponentially better than I have, even when they get to that goal line where, where they succeed at whatever they were trying to do, it doesn't get nearly as better as they thought it would. Sure. Right? So, so there's this idea that I'm going to kill myself now, but I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to get this huge payoff and then everything's going to work great uh, thereafter. And I got to tell you, if I were to do a chart of all the people that I know before, during, and after the startup game and talk about who's the happiest, it's the people before they start that are the happiest. The people at the end are friggin' miserable, right? <laughs> One, because they've had to yeah. go through the entire grinder. Two, because... Once it's all over and they've sold the company or had some sort of exit or had their version of success, they've spent so much time not making themselves happy that they have no idea how to make themselves happy. Most of my cashed out, exited founder friends are miserable, miserable, because they've gotten in this mentality that no matter what I do, it can't be good enough. Yeah. And And what a shitty place to end up. It is. Well, and you know, I, I would argue, not argue, I would, I would agree with what you're saying, and I would add to that, that they were in that mindset all along. It wasn't a destination that they arrived at, right? The entire way that they thought about their business, the entire way that they thought about how they were building their business. It goes back to this, this concept that you brought up. It's you're constantly measuring against something external right, exactly. and extrinsic instead of measuring intrinsically. What am I putting into this and what am I getting out from this? Not at the end, but all the way throughout. And so I, I think that it's it's a very dangerous path and it's one that you have to correct fairly early on. Otherwise, 
you're sort of manifesting that you're going to end up at that position at the end. Like, I'm not sure how, if you have sort of been unhappy and, and, you know, measuring yourself against other people's yardsticks the entire time that somehow at the end, you're gonna be like, Oh, you know what? That was wrong. Let me just do it differently. I'm not sure. Do you feel like you can flip that switch right at the end? No. And, and that's what I'm saying. I think the folks that are, that are on the end of the journey who've, who've cashed out have gotten so conditioned to compare themselves night and day to everyone else. Now they've got a couple bucks in the bank and now they're just comparing themselves to everybody else with more money. Right. I mean, it yeah. just, uh, it just, it breeds a really horrible mental state. And I'll say this, you know, having lived in San Francisco for a number of years, you've got some of the most competitive folks, particularly, you know, in the tech industry, uh, out there. And also easily the most unhappy people I've ever met in my life consistently, not bad people, really, really kind and smart and, and ambitious people. But the level of unhappiness there is just extraordinary. And I, I it took me a while to wrap my head around it. And it's because the level of competition of everybody having to kind of defend their territory everywhere they go all the time. And, and it was so pervasive everywhere I'd go, every single dinner, every single meeting. It was such a, a competition all the time. Uh, that shit gets old. Right, that's painful to be able to sit through every day if that's where you live all the time. And I'm not knocking yeah. San Francisco, but what I'm pointing out is that even at scale, among some of the most ambitious, successful, smart people, it's a huge problem. It's probably more of a problem there than it is anywhere else. You've got more of those stories. You got more of those people coming together. It's a it's a very tightly woven narrative made out of the same threads. And you know who's who doesn't have that problem? Some random startup guy in the Midwest, right? You know, some guy that that's that's running a million dollar a year car wash business yeah. that just can't believe how much money he's making in the, the exactly. fact that he doesn't have a boss, right? He's the happiest guy in the world. He's not thinking about funding rounds. He's not thinking about an exit strategy. He just can't believe that this business actually worked, which in, in all fairness is exactly what we should all be doing. That's exactly what we should all be doing. Okay. So it's pretty well established at this point that measuring yourself against others and and feeding into this very distracting external narrative is is not good for us. So how do we get out of it? What practically can we start to do to really ignore this stuff? I think it comes at a lot of levels. And for me, the first thing I did, and I just, I remember waking up one day going like, I feel really anxious today. And I feel anxious all the time, but this day was particularly bad. And I started to think to myself, why am I anxious, right? I'm going to write down all the things that are, are making me anxious. And it was funny because I specifically remember sitting there writing this down thinking, these are all things I can just stop doing, right? Like one of them was I keep finding myself comparing what I'm doing to what other people are doing, even when those businesses have nothing to do with my business, right? Yes. The other was I, I thought, okay, a lot of this has to do with the interactions I'm having with people. Again, because I talked to a, whole, a lot of founders. And so I, I thought, what if I just stop talking about startups with other founders? They're smart people and I enjoy spending time with them. But heaven forbid, what if I talked about football? Or what if I talked about like how they were doing sure. personally? Or what their kids are up to or what have you? And so what I've found is that the first step toward kind of opting out is just taking an inventory of the things that you're doing that are getting you down this road to begin with and just change them. I wouldn't say stop doing them because you know there's no version where we're going to stop using social media for for many folks. Consume it differently, you know, follow different threads. For example, on <laughs> on my newsreader, uh which used to be all tech news all the time, I changed the entire thing 
Now all it is is video game news because I'm a total video game nerd. There you and go. now instead of this stress moment where I would fire up, you know, a bunch of news feeds and hear about all these companies doing better than me or better than my friends or this or that, which which as an entrepreneur and a guy who cares about founders, I like, but it just gets old after a while. Now I read about video games the entire time. And 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 that's me changing my my uh news reading behavior. So I stopped creating a negative behavior. Mine wasn't quite that intentional, but I had a similar thing happen. I I joined a uh, a, a group, a uh, Facebook group for fishermen. And luckily enough, these guys were killing it in terms of their ability to make sure they showed up in my feed. And so it went from being like lots of depressing updates from uh, high school classmates I barely remember and a bunch of stuff from the startup space that I could then measure myself against and, and wonder if I was you know sufficient to mostly being about fishing, which it turns out was just nice and cathartic and and didn't make me feel like, you know, of course I could measure my fish, but you know, everybody's lying about the size of the fish anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, and, and I think in all the interactions we, we have with folks personally, and again, a lot of mine are from, um, from other founders, I started starting the conversation differently. The moment we said, Hey, how you been? Or, Hey, my name is Will Schroeder. I'm working at startups.com. I'd immediately move to any other subject that wasn't about startups. And I got to tell you, from the other side of the table, it was so relieving. In other words, the, the folks that I was talking to, at the end of every one of those dinners or drinks or lunches or whatever I had, they'd always say the same thing, which is, I got to be honest, like I haven't talked about any of this stuff for as long as I can remember. And I'm like, dude, these are just like basic, how, how's life going questions. You know, I, they were so used to going through the whole startup resume that it was just a relief to not talk about that anymore. Sure. They're they're standing there in the batter's box expecting the 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Totally. They've got to try to find a way to deflect and hit back at you. And instead, you're just like, hey, how's life? How you, you have kids, right? How are your kids? And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> yes, let me talk about that, please. Anything right. but. Right? So, and, and I also think, sense. you know, kind of how we're calibrating our own process, uh, progress. If we're thinking my only progress is going to come from whether or not I do better than someone else, you've already lost. There's no way to win that game. There's no way to to win by beating other people, right? I mean, yeah. you know, unless you're Tom Brady playing football, right? Like, well, and that's, you, you say it perfectly in the article. You say, you know, you know what the prize you get for doing that is? Misery, right? Totally. So when you win the game by measuring yourself against other people, and and trying to beat other people and, and defining your success based on what you think they think your success should look like, the prize is misery. It's it, you nailed it. And, and there's no way to win at any possible level, no matter how much money you make, no matter how successful you are. There's always, always, always somebody else that you're comparing yourself to. And it's it's a behavior that you start to get in when you first start. It's a behavior that only gets worse as you become more successful, as you start to, to build a, a bigger reach and all the people that you're talking to, most of my friends, like I said, that have made, uh, call it seven, eight, nine figure wealth are far less happy. Now, by all means, like I'd rather be unhappy with some money than unhappy with no money. But at the same time, the, the point is they have so much cash, they've had so much success, but they've never figured out how to calibrate themselves to say, holy shit, like I killed it in this whole thing. I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of it for the rest of my life. All they're thinking about is, well, if I made that much, I have to be able to make that much more. It's it, 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 You never, ever, ever win that game. Well, there's another interesting phenomenon that happens there. And it's that, you know, being unhappy without money is one thing. Being unhappy with money, there's some sense that like, but I should feel happy 
I've done this. I should be happy. So not only are they beating themselves up for not achieving whatever the next milestone is, they're beating themselves up for not feeling happy about what they have already achieved because they didn't set themselves up to be happy at that point. Right. So it's, it's quite literally a game you can't win. And for what it's worth, the only way to, to get out of it is just literally to stop playing. Right. Okay. And so that's, that's where I wanted to go next. I want to take it home. So, so you stopped doing it. What happened? You know, it's funny. Uh, I hope nobody Googles this, but I actually have a, like a couple pictures of me from like six years ago when I was kind of in the thick of it in pictures of me now. And <laughs> in the thick of it was a great way to put that. <laughs> and I I uh, showed those pictures to some friends a while back. And so it's, it's a picture when I was about 37 and a picture when I was about 43. And they're like, you look like two different people. In fact, Ryan, I think you said the same thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's like, who is that? Is that the, alternate the, world will? Well, it would have been funny. It's just so funny to see physically like how much of a toll that was taking. Like me at, at 37 or 38, I looked like what I what I, I assume I'll look like at 58. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it was just you look at you can there, there are there are some archival footage from that same period in time where you can find you, myself, Elliot in the same room and we look like hell. So you can you can pretty much you can you can pretty much understand where we were in terms of our ability to process this stress and, and how we were handling at that time. We we were not doing a stellar job if our bodies are any indication. Yeah. Uh, the bags under our eyes and, and the rest of it. Yeah. And so the benefit, the outcome of kind of just not adding yet another vector of stress to my life you know is there's it's hard enough you know we were all starting families at the time uh we were building a business from scratch at the time we were doing all of these things adding a whole other thing which is i somehow have to compete with everybody else for by the way no reason whatsoever was just absurd and so just shedding all of that stress was was life-changing and i got the pictures to prove it Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. But in the meantime, if you love what we're doing, head over to iTunes and subscribe and comment. If you want to contact us directly, we're not hard to reach. Email us at therapy at startups.com. Will and I respond to every email that comes in. Please don't be shy. What we learned today is a tiny fraction of the help that you can get from startups.com. Whether you need to learn how a startup gets built, to find a mentor or raise capital, to find new customers, or if you just need to connect with founders who are dealing with the same shit you are, you'll find it on startups.com. With all that said, let's get back to building our startups. This is Ryan Rutan for my partner, Will Schroeder, and the entire startups.com community saying goodbye for now, friends. Goodbye.